you know, let's just try to tweak this and that. And then after the season, I'll really, I'll have a better idea of what I'm dealing with. And I can tell you right now that that was a massive mistake. Um, I should have come in and scorched earth it. And you have to be careful that you don't put guys at the front of your program who don't accentuate a lot of your core values. Go where there are good coaches who you can watch and learn from. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. And as always, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you aboard for another edition of the show. As we get ready to dive into episode 38, I wanted to nudge you to check out the revamped website over at highschoolcoachesclub.com. It gives you all-in-one access to the podcast, including a streamlined way to recommend potential guests, plus a smoother interface for signing up for the weekly newsletter, which you should definitely do if you haven't done it already. And you can also support the club by purchasing a sticker, maybe two or three or six, in the shop section of the website. And don't forget to leave a rating or a review wherever it is that you're listening to this. Thanks again for tuning in, and a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. They've been loyal podcast and newsletter sponsors for quite a long time now, and I love having them on board. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, Netting Professional, I specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, baseball and softball are giant markets for netting pros, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. Probably even badminton, to be honest with you. They're truly making facilities better all across the country, providing high-quality products and services to recreational, college, professional, and what we all care about, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're amazing, and they're improving programs one facility at a time. Joining me on the show today is Bobby Ramsey. He's the current head football coach at Mandarin High School in Florida, where his team won the 2018 Class 8A state championship in just his second year at the helm after going 2-8 and eight in year one. It's pretty incredible. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Uli High School for nine seasons, where he had the privilege of coaching a running back that you will most certainly recognize. We'll get into that right off the bat. It's another awesome conversation with Coach Ramsey diving into relationships, recruiting, standards, the value of winning, building programs, and so much more. You're going to love them. I sure did. So let's dive in. It's episode 38 with Bobby Ramsey. All right, I'm joined by Bobby Ramsey. Bobby, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Max. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. I know Will Miner, uh, kind of a, a mutual a mutual connection between us, had you uh, as, as somebody he recommended uh, and with a lot of really kind words. So that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's he's a he's a great dude and uh um you know i could probably say the same things right back about him so there's um there's a lot of directions that we'll probably go today um just kind of obviously unpack things we won't cover everything in the world that that you have to offer but i know that you know you you play defensive end in high school i want to kind of throw this question out to start to you Uh, if you were a defensive end in high school let's say late 2010 or, you know late 2000s early 2010s and let's say the opposing team you know had some running back on their on their squad who rushed for like 2600 yards the previous year and like 34 touchdowns and just had an absolutely monster season uh, what are you thinking going into that game uh, um 
I, you know, I, I, I probably would have been, you know, initially excited to play against him. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, as, as the game, I think that's the thing that, you know, a lot of people, you know, with, with Derek, a lot of people got, got kind of jacked up to play against him. So, um, you know, I don't know that I'd want to like, you know, one-on-one run into him with each of us having like a six or seven yard head start. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I think, I think Derek, you know, what made his, what is made his success more impressive is that he really brought out the best in a lot of guys. Well, we're, we're talking about Derek Henry, who you obviously had the honor of coaching and I don't want to make this a podcast about Derek Henry. So I figured we could start with him. I, I found a really kind of funny quote, um, from an opposing coach and I, uh, the name is blanking me at the time, but, um, and he said something along the lines of kind of what you said, like if, if you're on the line with him and you meet him at the line, you were, you were feeling okay about it. Because like, if you're catching him, you know, six, seven, eight yards past the line of scrimmage, he said, as a high school kid, a lot of them had to decide between, you know, I, I've got a date with my girlfriend tonight. Do I really want to bother <laughs> trying to make this tackle right. against this guy? Or not? <laughs> right. Right. You know, and that was always the, the book on when, people defended him it was always and you, you hear about it now in the nfl i think you heard it in college as well is you know get him before he gets going and um you know if you're a d lineman you know you're, you're probably not going to catch the business end of too much bad stuff because he hasn't really revved it up but you know if he gets to second level and he gets some green grass and the open space to run um you know that's when you know you see in the nfl you see a lot of guys making business what they call making a business decision like <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, I'll, I'll do everything I can to try to run him out of bounds. But, you know, I want to I want to play a little bit longer, too. <laughs> no kidding. That's absolutely true. So uh, you mentioned to me off air before that, you know, you had coached Derrick Henry and he was the national you know rushing record leader. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, just to research it, I looked it up and, you know, I was thinking, you know, he probably ran for like 5,000, 6,000 yards, something. And then I looked up the numbers and I don't think you could do that in like the old like NCAA video games. I don't know that you could even do that in a video game. He ran for, I've got the number, if this is correct, I think 12,124 yards in four years of high school football. Correct. It's just, I, I it, I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around what that must have been like. What was so special about about him? Like, how was he that much better than everybody else? You know, when when you're going through it, or you're, you know, you're, you know, as the coach, um, you know, I, I think we all kind of just get used to things, and you know, it, it was just what we did and and who we were. Um, it was how we were how we were going to win football games. And, you know, I don't mean to trivialize whatever Derek did, but, you know, we got kind of, I think after a while we got kind of numb to it, you know, Mm -hmm. like he would definitely have some runs where you'd be like, Whoa, I mean, you know, he'd get your attention. Um, But, you know, for us, I mean, it really warped. I I don't know if numb is the right way to say it. I think more warps your, warps your perspective. (laughs) Um, You know, like if he'd have 200 yards in a game, we'd be like, what? You know, like only 200, you know, I, I've been at Mandarin now going on five years. I've never had a back rush for more than 150 yards yeah. in a game, you know, um, you know, and for him, 150 was a, was a really bad night. So, you know, it, when you, when I guess you, like I said, when you're going through it, um, 
you, you know, and you're around him all the time. I mean, obviously, you know, he's a great player and, and he's your foundation and all that. Um, you know, what, what made him special, I, I've always said just kind of from initially, just he's really big and really fast. And, um, you know, from from there, um, you know, he developed the intangibles or always had the intangibles, the, the work ethic and, um, you know, the, the character and, and uh, desire and, and everything to improve. And I think the older he got, the more it seemed like the more hungry he got, um, you know, whereas, you know, I remember in, in ninth grade when he came in um, that spring, we were working on the, you know, the the five ten five where they, you know, run to the right touch, run to their left touch and then finish back where they started. Um, I mean, he, as good as he is, as talented as an athlete as he was, he couldn't do that drill. Like he cut and he cut a swath in the game, game field off to the side. I mean, probably of like six feet long by three feet wide from him sliding, you know, um, <laughs> three years later, he's going into a senior year, two years later, he's going into a senior year and he won the national spark competition, you know, which at the time was the, the, the Nike's big, you know, high school, deal um with the combines and all that stuff so it, it just it's you know we goes from three years you know one not being able to do it to three years later you know having one of the best in the country so um you know i think he's you know i think that's as he as it has evolved i think that's that's probably something that's factored in a lot yeah i i, I wanted to start with derrick henry because i know we could spend a lot of time on him i think let me get my derrick henry questions out of the way early and then we could we could dive into your career because obviously that was a big part of your career, but yeah, that was only four years, and you've been doing this for a lot longer than that, and you've been doing it before that and everything. So that was obviously at Uly High School. That was your fourth coaching job. So let's hit the rewind button um, and let's let's look at your life. Let's go back to your high school career. Where did you go to high school? What was your experience like? Um, I went to high school in um, San Antonio, Texas, and. Uh, we moved to Texas um, when I was going into ninth grade. Uh, I'd lived in New Jersey till I was 14. So it was, you know, uh, quite the culture shock. Um, you know, I, I can't, I, I, the only way it could have been any different would have been if like I moved to a foreign country or moved to Mars or something <laughs> like it was just so different, you know, that, I mean, I come from the Northeast and, you know, I had to talk like this and, you know, I'm, you know, into Philly stuff and, you know, cause we lived outside of Philadelphia you know, and, and, you know, you get down to San Antonio and guys are talking about their ranches and wearing cowboy boots and, you know, eating enchiladas. And I'm just like, what, <laughs> I, where in the heck did I go? You know, did dad, did dad take us? So, um, you know, I, I had never played until I was in the ninth grade. Um, and I was, I, I'm, I'm fond of saying, um, you, you know, that I was a really bad football player in the ninth grade. Um, didn't, I remember my mom, I didn't know how to like, weave my like keep my pants up like I, I didn't know how to like get the belt through the pants and stuff like that and <laughs> made me like bring my practice pants home so we could figure it out um yes you know it was just um and, you know and I I was you know what I'd never been hit before and so I'd getting used to that and um you know I wasn't one of the stronger I was not a very strong kid so um you know I'm after the season ended I I went out for basketball and the the linebackers coach was the freshman basketball coach and you know, I, I tried out and, um, I, I made the team. I thought I made the team. And then he, he brought me in. He said, we'd like to send you back to football, you know, cause I, you know, we think you got a chance to play in that sport. Um, mm -hmm. and 
he might've just been being nice because he was basically cutting me. Um, yeah. but I heard <laughs> that, you know, when, uh, you know, when I, when I heard that, I mean, I just, I, you know, I just took the ball. I was like, Oh my God, really? You know, I, I mean, just, just a simple comment like that from a coach and, um, and the way he said it. And I just was like, man, I'm, I'm going to just go to work. And so, um, you know, I, I just had to put a lot of work into becoming a good player. Um, you know, I was, you know, at, you know, five eleven, six foot, you know, 200 some pounds eventually by the time I was a senior, 220, 230. Um, so I was a decent sized kid, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't have D one measurables or anything like that, but, you know, I eventually became a starter and an all district player. And I, I tell that story to the kids a lot, not to brag because it's not like I was the best player in the world or anything like that. But I think one of the things about football that's great is that, you know, if, if you have a willingness to put in some work, um, you know, it's, it's not baseball where, I mean, look, if you can't hit a baseball, you can't hit a baseball, you know, or basketball. Yeah. If, if you can't, if you can't dribble and shoot, you can't dribble and shoot, you know, football, you know, if you've got some toughness and, and, and are willing to put in some work, you can turn yourself into a good football player. And obviously you have to have certain things to be a great player. Um, but, um, you know, that, that experience, you know, in high school taught me a lot about, you know, you, you will eventually reap the benefits of, of the work you put in. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Um, and that the journey is fun. You know, that we, the process, I was reminded of it this morning when, you know, our kids, our ninth graders were testing um, and they hit numbers that they'd been trying to get the, their goal weights on squats and, you know, the looks on their faces and the excitement, you know, and you're kind of taken back to that time yourself, thinking back to, you know, when you hit those numbers and how, how exciting that was and how much confidence you got. So, um, you know, I think those shared experiences with your, when you're a coach, um, you know, you love having those shared experiences with your players, but, um, you, you know, I, I, I took that, that time in high school again, just to, you know, verify, you know, verify that if, if you do the work, um, you know, eventually you'll get yours. And, and, you know, for me, that was, you know, again, becoming a starter and an all district player and, you know, and then I went on to play uh, football at a small college and, and had a great experience there. Yeah, yeah, and that was also in Texas. So you decided I, I noticed that, too, when you were just talking about, you know, moving to San Antonio and the culture shock there. And then that you ended up obviously choosing to stay and play at McMurray. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, you know, I just thought it was so cool to get recruited. You know, I mean, it, I mean, I felt like a five-star rivals guy, you know, just, I mean, you know, not, not from like an ego standpoint, but I just thought it was so cool and so fun to, you know, I mean, I had several small colleges, uh, Harden Simmons, a, a couple other ones, Austin college, a school in Kansas, you know, when coaches would call, it was like, you know, like I said, it could have been, I mean, it could have been Bobby Bowden. It would have made a difference. I don't think, you know, I just thought it was so cool. So, um, you know, and I, I, I knew that I wanted to play more football that, you know, I wasn't done. And, um, you know, uh, the thing about McMurray is interesting. Like Harden Simmons was our rival who we never beat and is a really good program. And they're in Abilene too, which is where McMurray is. And I visited there and, you know, I, I, the, 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 I, I, the thing about McMurray and I tell this to kids all the time is, you know, it, it really is a people thing when you pick a college, um, and, and, you know, go where you're wanted and go where you can play. And, um, you know, I just felt like when I visited McMurray, there was just more of a personal interest there in me than Harden Simmons, a place that had been winning and they kept winning. It wasn't like I was going to make a difference for them winning or losing, but, um, it, you know, I, I, I've always felt that that place that takes a little bit more of a personal interest in you, 
um, means they have a plan for you and, and, and they value you. And, and so, uh, you know, I went there and, and, you know, I had a great experience. We, it was an ascending program at the time. Uh, we ended up, you know, becoming a ranked team and, and, um, our senior class was the winningest class in McMurray history. Um, and, um, and the best thing about it, obviously, honestly, is the, is the, the friendships, you know, um, I mean, to this day, those guys are still my best friends. Um, and I live out here in Florida. So, um, I mean, I'm flying to Houston on Thursday to, to see a couple of them, you know, and, uh, um, you, you know, so I, 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 I wouldn't have traded, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Miami hurricane fan, you know, and it's like, you know, what I've trade playing there for my experience at McMurray for playing at a place like Miami. And I, I don't think I would, you know, just because I had such a good time and, and made such, you know, had made such great friendships. Yeah. Well, that, that, what you're talking about, you know, that question that you kind of ask yourself is, you know, is it a school that you want to go to? And there's a lot that goes into that. I think a lot of times high school kids get really wrapped up in, in, you know, what level it is or, or whether their friends would know about it if they mentioned the name of the right, school and stuff right. like that. And it just, there's, I've, I've heard it a couple of times, but I've two questions that I, I keep going back to with kids is the one you mentioned, which is, you know, do you have a chance to play? So if you work hard, if you get after it, do you have a shot to actually play? Or are you, you know, are you signing up to go sit the bench for four years because the guys ahead of you are just that much better? And then the second question, which you kind of alluded to, too, being a people place, um, is it a place where, let's say, for you got hurt or something else happened and you otherwise decided or couldn't play anymore, would you still want to be at that school? And if the answer is right. yes to both those questions, then that's probably a good home for you. Right. And, you know, with, with myself um, and – you know, I always try to put myself in the player's shoes when, when giving them advice about college and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I tell them like, you know, everybody, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, a college, a lot of people may not have heard of, believe me. I mean, there, there's many a time when people ask where, where I go to college, there, there's a, there, I have to continue on with where it is and whatnot. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like saying I went to Oklahoma or I went to, you know, uh, you know, Alabama or I went to Oregon, you know, like you have to kind of continue on with where it is and what you did there and all that. Um, but, um, you, you know, I, I think first and foremost, if you're going to play the sport in college, you have to love the game, yeah. you know? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what I tell the players a lot. I'm like, guys, you'll find out when you get to college, if you just love it or like it a lot. You know, if you like it a lot, then, you know, maybe it's cool just to go to a big school and, and join a frat and play on their intramural team. You know, if you love it, you're going to want to stick with it and play the sport as long as you can. And um, and so, you know, I, I think that you kind of have to prepare them for like, look, you know, you're I think nowadays it's it's different for for these kids today than it was 25 years ago when i was going through it i can't believe i just said that um, <laughs> but, time, um time goes quickly <laughs> oh my god man um but you know because like you know the internet was just coming into its own a little bit and you know camps were not what they are now i mean every school had a camp but they had one kind of just normal three or four day football camp you know and they weren't recruiting tools or this or that so I guess where I'm going with that is like, you know, and especially in the state of Florida, which is so over recruited, um, these kids see these D1, you know, like you, you, you have like I could go to, you know, legitimately a kid from Jacksonville. You know, I could go to camp at UCF, USF, UF and Florida State all within a week if I wanted to, 
you know, yeah. so yeah. I can see four D1 places. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, see those coaches coming through my school's recruiting. And then it's like, oh, I can go there. I can go there. And, um, you know, that that's not very, very oftentimes it's not the case. Um, and I think the kids get a little bit of a warped perspective. And, and sometimes they look at the smaller college level or sort of thumb their nose at it. And, yeah, I'm too good for that or whatever. But, um, you know, so and that goes that's where the love of the game falls, comes back into play, where it's like, look, if you love the game, you'll 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 embrace this opportunity to go play small college somewhere. Um, and, you know, if you go in there and you think you're better than everybody else, I'm like, I remember you know, going in thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be better. A lot of these guys and right off the bat realizing I remember first time I got blocked in college, it wasn't like a crushing block, but I was like, man, I used to, you know, high school was easy just to lock out and throw a guy off you. Now it's like, oh wait, this guy's <laughs> still hanging on to me. Like what's going on? You know, like, um, you know, those guys can play too. I mean, um, they might be a, 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 a 10 slower in the 40 or, you know, an inch shorter, you know, at height, but those guys know how to play. Those are grown men, you know, or adults playing the game, you know? And um, if you go in there thinking you're better than everybody else, I mean, there's some really, really good football players that play small college. Um, you know, there's some, there's some not good ones too. It's just that, you know, D one is similar, you know, there's some really, I mean, I've seen some bad football players get scholarships because of the kind of athlete they are. Um, but you know um, it doesn't mean they're it, that they have the division one, you know, whatever the measurables, you know? So, you know, that guy's going to get that opportunity doesn't mean he's a better player than you. And if you give up on playing because of that, then that's a shame. And um, so I think it's important to to really stress, you know, and I'm honest with them in the in the process. Like, you know, guys, look, you you got to love the game. And um, and if you're going to play it, you know, the, the the ego trip when you get to a big college, I think, is that you go in there and you're 85th out of 85, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you're competing, against, you know, if you go into a, a big time program, you're competing against the best of the best. The ego trip that you have to deal with in a smaller college program is your your freshman class you come in with might have 80 kids in it, you know, and, you know, it's the, a lot of the coaches, it takes them six weeks just to learn your name. So, <laughs> you know, you're almost kind of being re-recruit, you're almost kind of re being re-recruited in a sense, like, you know, like you have to be somebody that, that stands out enough for them to want to keep you around. So, yeah. um, you know, when you go in, I mean, I remember my first meeting in college with the D lineman, there were like 35 defensive linemen. And I was like, Oh man, I, you know, I was like one of the probably bottom third size wise. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what's this all about? You know, like, <laughs> so, um, you know, you, you have to, you have to have that, 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 um, that love of the game and that, that passion for, for playing it, in order to, to make it, um, but, you know, I think w w no matter where you go, but, um, you know, if, if you don't love the game, whatever it is. And I think nowadays too, like it's so easy for kids to transfer, you know, whether it's high school or college and, you know, a lot of them you'll see go off and then they'll come back after a semester. And, and I mean, I everybody thinks about it. I mean, I thought about it, but, um, you know, it, it, they, they think that the grass is, I mean, Derek, you know, was unhappy after his first year at Alabama. And, you know, you, you, you kind of tell the guys that, you know, for better or for worse, I mean, yeah, there's different coaches and different equipment and different colors and different locations, but all these programs in, in a way are all kind of the same, you know, in the sense that you're going to have to go in there and produce in order to play. And, you know, there's going to be a coach at this program over here that you don't like. 
and there's going to be teammates that maybe you're not the most fond of. And there's going to be days where, you know, it's hot and the workout sucks. And, you know, you know, that's kind of that stuff's not going to go away. So it goes back to what you're saying about take football out of it or whatever sport out of it. You know, the way I, you know, I, I word it pretty similar to what you just said. I said, look, you know, to me, when you pick a school, when, you know, when you're leaving that, you got to picture yourself leaving that facility after a hard day of practice. And maybe you didn't do that. Well, you're, when you're walking back to the dorms, are you walking back to a dorm or an apartment that you want to be in? You know, is that a place that you want to be? Cause if it is, then you'll make it through those tough times. If you're leaving a building that you don't want to be in around people, you don't want to be around and going to a place that you don't want to be in either, then that's when, you know, you probably pick the school for the wrong reason. Yeah. Things go south pretty quickly. When did you, how old were you when you realized that coaching is something that you wanted to do? Were you young? Were you old? Were you in college? Um, when did you, when did you dive into this thing? It's funny. Like, um, you know, a lot of my McMurray is, is a, is a school that produces a lot of teachers and coaches. Um, and most of my buddies, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them were there to get their degree to coach and teach. And I was getting a history degree and I wanted no part of coaching. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a coach. That's stupid. Um, and you know, I now don't get me wrong. I didn't have it. I didn't have a plan figured out. I knew I was going to go to graduate school and you know, I, but from there, it wasn't like I had a career mapped out for myself or anything. So I'm not trying to say like I had some awesome plan because I didn't. Um, and when I got done playing, um, I flirted with some opportunities um, overseas and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of came to terms with, um, you know, probably around April, May of that year that like, you know what, I think I'm good with being done playing, you know, I think everybody kind of has to go through their own process of when their career ends. So I went to grad school at Florida State, um, and my defensive coordinator, my senior year at McMurray, told me, said, you know, if you want to coach out there, you know, in Texas, you have to teach and co- you, you can't coach unless you teach. Um, right. Where Florida, that's not the case. And I didn't know that about other states. So that was like that everywhere. So I was like, oh, cool. So I sent some resumes out to some places, and I heard back from this place, Lincoln High School. Um and um didn't know much about it um looked it up online saw some preseason high school top 25 poll and i'm scrolling down like it was this back when de la salle was beating everybody and you know it was like de la salle long beach poly i was like what link like it was like the third ranked high school in the country i was like what in the world is this you know um and you know i i i took the spot the stipend position and um you know, when I got there and I sat in on the meetings, I got there probably late July and, you know, sat in on all the coaches meetings as we're getting ready to play or practice in the fall. And um, it, it didn't take me really long to realize being around that, that, especially once I got on the field, that that was what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and a lot of it was just, I, I think the big thing was, I just, I, I couldn't see myself not being part of a team or a group. Um, you know, I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to do very well, like as an individual, like owning my own, this or whatever, or, or, or I just wasn't, that wasn't going to be me. And, um, and then when you start connecting with the players and, and, you know, something you've taught them, um, you know, clicks, you know, that's that, that feeling of, of, of excitement, um, you know, it, 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 you, you kind of start getting addicted to it. And, um, um, 
and it didn't help. It didn't hurt that we had a really good team and ended up winning a state championship. I mean, um, I was blessed to have a really good first experience. Um, and, you know, I always like to joke, I, I was there just a time to ride the coattails, um, you know, to a state championship. And um, uh, I, I had the experience been different. Maybe I would have been like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and it wasn't easy. I mean, it wasn't the easiest place to coach. Um, but I just realized that it was, you know, I, I just got hooked, you know, and I realized I, I couldn't be away from the game, you know, um, that, that, um, I would, I would miss it too much. And, um, so, and that was what I was passionate about. So, you know, I went forward saying, okay, I want to be a coach. Yeah. What a nice way to start the career with a state championship. You, you kind of get the, uh, the itch scratched and then you also, get to have, you know, go out on the top there, which is pretty cool. And then I know from there you had a couple different stops as a, an assistant coach. And then you end up at Uli, which, you know, we mentioned earlier, which is where Derek Henry ended up in your, I think your second year, but, but going yeah. into that job as your first head coaching job, um, the year before I, I two and eight, is that what I, I, I saw? was their yeah, record as you were taken over. Yeah, they were, they were two and eight, the school, had only been open two years. Um, oh, okay. There we go. So when I, the, the, I got the job in February of 2008. Um, the, the second semester of the second year was open. And, um, you know, I was 28 at the time I got hired. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I go in thinking, I've, you know, I've got all the answers. And, and you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and it's going to it's gonna turn right around. And, you know, it was a really humbling experience because right off the bat, I realized uh, I don't have all the like, <laughs> like this is yeah. going to be a little harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I remember the first time seeing the meeting the team um, and, you know, I had been at a place where we won a state title. Then I was at a small college for three years where we went to the national championship. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was at a school in Jacksonville that we had just come out of the third round of the playoffs and, and a school that produced a ton of talent, had a lot of athletes. And then I see this group and I was like, uh, where the, where, is this like the JV or like where, and there wasn't that many of me, there were only like maybe 35 kids. I'm like, where, 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 where's the real players? Um, so, and then, you know, initially getting around them and, and just realizing how bad things were. Um, and you know, the good thing was at least it was like, well, look, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, in the, it's not going to take much to make some improvement, but to get to where I want to be like, man, we're a ways away from that. So, you know, and again, I kind of just went back to that mentality I had as a player. It's like, you're just going to have to do the work, you know, you, you know, there's not going to be a shortcut. I mean, obviously Derek came along. I had no idea who he was at the time. Um, he was a seventh grader and you know, there wasn't, it wasn't like we were going to get, you know, six or seven great athletes to transfer into Yuli. And it was a it was an interesting place. It was a, a town that didn't really have much of a sense of itself. It's not incorporated. You know, it's it's uh, it doesn't have it's it's grown a lot. I mean, it's a it's a suburban community now, but it doesn't have like a downtown or anything like that. And it wasn't forming off of the school that had a great football tradition. You know, it wasn't like I could point to this school and go, hey, man, you know, you guys were a part of this. You know what it takes. You know, um, they were a part of a lot of losing. And so, um, you know, it was it was very much a brick by brick process. And that that first year, I remember thinking like, man, we're we we, we might go and ten because <laughs> when I watched the game films from the year before, it was all on DVD and I had taken them home with me and I had talked to some guys who were head coaches and I was like, 
just should I watch their games? Should I not watch their games? And some of the coaches were like, ah, don't do it. You know, it'll just, it might just give you a bad opinion of some kids. A couple other coaches were like, yeah, see what you're working with. If I was like, I got to watch. And then when I was just like watching, it was like, oh my God. Like, um, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I was like, I, I almost picked up the phone and called my principal at my previous school and be like, Hey, you, you still got my position. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think I could do this. Like, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, uh, again, where you just kind of have to go, okay, well, you know, all I can do is take care of tomorrow and put a workout together and push the kids as best I can and, you know, see what progress you make and then do it again the next day and then do it again the next day and the next day and the next day and, 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 and make, just keep pushing things forward, you know, um, whether that's you, you gained an inch or whether or not you gained 10, 10 inches that day, you know, I mean, it, it, it really is just kind of that simple and, and kind of falling back on, look, if I, if I can get these kids stronger, if I can get them tougher, if I can get them more competitive, playing harder, if we can play good defense and, and, you know, execute something offensively, we have a, you know, maybe we could figure out a way to steal some wins. And then we did that year. We went five and five, although, I mean, um, I don't know how we did it, but, um, you know, I, I remember saying that two and eight makes it sound like they were better than they actually were the year before. Like there were probably a lot of zero and 10 teams that were better than them. They just didn't have the fortune of having you on the schedule. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, what, something I've been fascinated by, and I've had a, a few different coaches on who have been in a position like that, where they've taken over a program that hasn't had a lot of success. Obviously, Yuli is a little bit different of a case since he's, you know, he's only open for a couple of years before you came in. But uh, since, since I have you and you, you went through it, um, I've had coaches go from like one of two directions when I've talked about this with them in terms of when it's time to come in and take over a program that's been struggling. Um, I've had a few that have said basically like, in year one, you know, Bobby, you take over, you're going to, you just need to tear everything down. Nothing from the past keeps going. You start brand new, bring in everything totally brand new for your first year and just implement your stuff right away. And I've had other coaches who have kind of said the opposite. Uh, they've gone more like an incremental change sort of a thing to not do big culture shock for the kids who are there. And both, uh, both have been successful in what they did. So, you know, it, both work obviously, but when you look back and you kind of reflect on that, that first year at Yuli, which camp would you probably say you were in? Were you a culture shot guy, just change the system right away? Or were you kind of a more slow incremental change? I was, you know, that, you know, and, and it may come up when I talk about where I am now. Um, yeah. Some definitely. of the differences, but um, at Yuli, it was, I mean, it was scorched earth, burn the village to save it, whatever, you know, <laughs> um analogy you want to make i mean it was they were so um there was nothing from the previous group that i wanted to hold on to um you know and um you know i think the i think where you have to walk the fine line is you know how much you browbeat them versus when you start building them back up Mm. you know um i think i think that's the trick you know if you go into a place that's been losing and you call them losers and you make it hard on them and these kids, I don't mean like, again, sound like an old man, these kids today, but, you know, I don't know that that's going to work. Um, I do think you have to challenge them um, and see what kind of, you know, pride they have in their school and their program and whatnot um, and call them out for certain things and and let them know that, you know, this is not the right way to do things. But, you know, in that instance, I, I, I w- I've always said this, I would have rather started that school 
then come in a year and a half after a, a bad program being run. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was almost harder. Um, because if I started it out from scratch, there's, there's, there's no mess to clean up. You know, you're just starting everything out you better do it the right way. But when you start it from scratch or when you start it after they already haven't been, you know, it's already a, a new program. It's already a place that isn't a, a talent hotbed. It's already a place that's doesn't have a great football tradition. And now you have the mess of, of the culture of the place. I mean, there was issues everywhere. I mean, you, you know, the record was really a reflection of, of, you know, sometimes two and eight, you know, maybe they're not as they had some bad breaks or whatever. They could have been a five win team or a six win team, but they, they, they earned that two and eight. I mean, they were, they were, you know, there, and there were issues everywhere. I mean, the, the facility wasn't taken care of very well. The, the equipment hadn't been taken care of very well. They, you know, the kids didn't behave very well in school. Their grades weren't very good. Um, you know, the, um, you know, when I got there, they gave me like six or seven kids who were all ineligible. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I didn't to, to, to my, to the AD who hired me's credit. She, she did not pull, you know, she sat me down and gave me the straight scoop on what all the issues were. Um, you, you know, and I'm like, am I supposed to get all these, what? Like, seven kids and old, like how much, and I, none of, I don't think any of them got eligible, you, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, it's like, look, I, I, I can't build this program with ineligible kids. I got to build it with guys that I know are going to be out there. So in that instance, I knew I needed to come in and see who really wanted to play football and who didn't, you know, and, and we ran some kids off. I mean, you know, not, I, I don't know about it. I wouldn't say intentionally, but you know, a lot of the, the, the kids that I was warned about would possibly quit. A lot of those kids quit, you know, and I didn't have enough time with them to, you know, maybe change their, their mindset or whatnot. But, um, you know, we, we had some, some, some kids really, I'm talking about kids going into their senior year who, you know, had quit the year before, you know, new coach comes in, oh, I'll try it. Or, you know, this guy might be different and yeah, I'm different, but I'm not going to be easy. I think, I think that was, you know, at a place like Yuli, you had to come in and, and burn it to the ground and build it back up. Oh, it makes sense too. And it's, I've heard, I don't know if you, you know who Steve Arias, is, but he's kind of a, a football legend in Arkansas. And I had him on the show a while back and he actually used that same term scorched earth. He was like, yeah, he took, he's took, he's done this a couple of times, but that same sort of mindset of like, if it isn't working from a, a culture level, which it sounds like at Yuli, it probably wasn't, especially with so many ineligible players and things like that. He's like, it's, it's time for a complete scorched earth, tear down, burn it all to the ground. Let's start over. Same sort of thing too. Ran into some things where kids, uh, for whatever reason, you know, it just wasn't the expectation that they had or being held to maybe a higher expectation. And so kind of being okay as a coach of letting kids like that walk away for the betterment of the rest of the group and the success of the program. Well, and I think, I think, you know, I had to do that and I, because, and I think a lot of times coaches have to do that. So the players will know that you're serious about, you know, your core values and your beliefs. And, you know, they, if you're inconsistent with your, with the way you do things, you know, if you, you, you know, you can't, you can't stress work ethic and consistency and commitment and all these things, and then play the kid who only shows up once a week, Yeah, you know? And, and I think there's, there's a tendency to do that sometimes because coaches think they got to have a guy on Friday night. Um, and at least with regards to football, um, and, 
you know, I think once they see that, you know, I mean, he ain't screwing around, you know, so the kids that want to be there, you know, they'll be like, Hey man, you know, if you don't want to, I, I kind of go back to the, that scene in Hoosiers when the two kids walk out of practice and the one kid looks at him and goes, it's your funeral. You know, like I, I think the guys who really want to be there, you know, will look at, even if they're friends with a kid, they'll be like, Hey man, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. But you know, I want to play, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to follow you or I'm not going to do the stupid, you know, or, you know, man, he'll get rid of him. He'll get rid of me. So, um, you know, I think you have to do that. So the, the players understand the seriousness with, you know, with which the way you, you want to run your program and, and do your job. Cause if you don't take your program seriously, they won't take it seriously. No, they won't. So you're at, you're at Uli for almost, almost a decade. And then obviously we transitioned to where we are now. So can you, uh, for people who aren't aware, like myself of, much about Mandarin High School. Can you kind of get into where it is, what it's like, like what the community is like, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's a it's a an eight A high school where where I came. Yuli was a five A, so basically twice the size, um, about 2,600, 2,700 students. Um, highest classification. Um, it's South Jacksonville, so it's um, you know more of a of a tried and true suburban community school um, within the city. Um, and, um, you know, I'd been at Yuli nine years and, and I, I just kind of felt like I'd done everything I could do there. You know, we had the great run with Derek, obviously. And after he graduated, we still had good teams. I mean, we were in the postseason, um, had another really talented running back come along. Um, and, but I just felt like we were, you know, the program had a ceiling that was lower than I, that, that I was, mm-hmm. was happy with. Like, I just didn't see us. I had seen enough of the teams year in, year out to be like, okay, this is, you know, this is kind of what we are right now, you know, and, and um, our quarterback play held us back and, and our, our, some infrastructure things within the school and our depth, you know, against the better teams, you know, like, all right, we can make the playoffs, but we're probably going to be cannon fodder for whoever we run into in the first (laughs) round, you know, Um, you know, are we a team that could beat playoff teams consistently? And, and Mandarin had always been a place that I thought looked like an attractive job. Um, I had actually interviewed for it once a few, several years prior before that. Um, and I, and I wasn't going to interview this time. I wasn't going to apply, even though I was, I was looking around. Um, one of my coaches with who guy coached with me now, one of my assistants, um, his name is Bernard Harrell. Uh, we had coached some all-star games together and he sent me a, a text message like, Hey man, you interested in the Mandarin job? And I was like, no, I was like, should I be? And he's like, yeah, man, I think it's a good situation. And I'm like, all right, I'll think about it. And then this guy, Adam Geis, who's the head coach at Sandalwood High School, which is our rival school. Um, he and I are, are friendly. He had sent me a text message. He said, hey, man, are you going to apply at Mandarin? I was like, no, should I? And he's, <laughs> and he's like, you know, oh, yeah, man. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, I, I think so. I was like, all right, you know what? I'll do it. And. Um, this is late April, early May. Um, the coach Ooh, prior. Coach, yeah. Um, and you know, I had a informal interview with our athletic director. We met at a Starbucks after one of our spring practices in Jacksonville. And, and when I met with him and talked to him, I was just like, man, this, this is the guy I want to work for, you know, like this, his vision for the, the his athletics program. But you, you know, it, I could just tell like, this is a guy that wants to win you know, and doesn't want to win in the sense that, you know, he's going to vilify you if you lose, but he's going to support you. Um, and he's going to, I'm not saying he's going to give you everything in the world, 
but he's going to give you everything that he can to help you be as successful as possible. Um, so I was like, man, this, and again, I could just tell like there's battles at this school. I'm not going to have to fight that. I have to fight at Yuli, you know? Um, so I was at that point, I was really, really intrigued and, you know, nervous at the same time about possibly leaving a place that I'd been, um, you know, and then I had an official interview and they offered me the job and, um, you know, I just knew it was, you know, even though it was going to be uncomfortable, uh, you know, it was going to be a life change. It was, it was time, you know? Um, and, and so I accepted the job and, uh, you know, right after spring football and, uh, you know, early June got to work at Mandarin and that, that was, a uh, that was crazy in its own way as uh, that's, that transition was crazy too. <laughs> let's, well, let's get into that. So you, I mean, you know, going back to Yuli, we talked about the scorched earth thing, Coming to Mandarin, probably a little bit different situation. I know they were coming off a, a winning season at least. Uh, but like you just said, like you came in getting hired that late. That's only a couple months before it's like go time. So wh- what what did you do? <laughs> like, What are your first steps? Like you got the job, Bobby. Okay, now what? You know, so when I got hired, again, I knew I knew one guy on the staff. So I was like, okay, you know, at least I'm walking it where at Yuli I walked in. I knew nobody. Um, so I'm like, all right, at least I know one guy. Um, and you know, they were only two years removed from a 12 and one season. Um, but again, kind of like I mentioned with my athletic director at Yuli, I knew that there were problems. They, they had changed coaches. That coach who had really had been really successful left and went back to his alma mater. And the guy who took over for him was only there a year. And within that time, a lot of things changed for the worse, really the structure of the program just collapsed, you know, and they, they really, they really became a, you know, we played them at a, at a, at a, at a camp that su- the summer before. And I, and when they came out, I, I was like, what was this, you know, just not, not, you know, the, the way the kids and coaches acted and everything. I was like, man, this is not what I would have expected. And there were just a lot of, you know, but, even in 2016, they had gone, they lost a game due to the storm, but I think they went seven and two. So on the surface, it looked like everything was fine. But when I got there, I was like, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> like, um, you know, my first, you know, my meetings with the the athletic director and the assistant athletic director, they laid out what the, you know, and again, it was kind of similar to Yuli. It was like, here, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, or discipline problems. Um, you have some structure issues you're going to have to fix, you know, and organizational issues you're going to have to fix. And so I went in with the mentality of, well, let me just try to like the opposite of what we talked about at Yuli, where let's just try to hold it together. And, and, you know, let's just try to, you know, let me just sort of tweak this and that. And then after the season, I'll really, I'll have a better idea of what I'm dealing with. And I can tell you right now that that was a massive mistake. Hmm. Um, I should have come in and scorched earth it. Um, but I don't know if I was intimidated by the size of the program or by the fact that, you know, they, they had won some games the, the previous couple of years. Um, but I could tell the first workout we had that, you know, watching the kids lift, I was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in trouble. Like <laughs> the, there were red flags that whole summer that indicated to me that we were going to have a, a rough year. Um, the kids didn't know how to lift. They were not, they weren't very disciplined. Um, you know, they, they didn't focus in the weight room. Um, you know, the better players were hit or miss as far as attendance went. 
um, mostly miss. Um, and you know, I, I could tell that, that I was going to have some problems. We went to a team camp that summer. Um, and we had some good teams really put it to us. And I was, you know, I was like, man, we're, there were a lot of these things in the back of my mind, just popping up going like, we're, we're, we're in trouble, you know, like, um, we, the schedule that they were playing that we were playing in 17 was different from the one in 16 and 15. And they had played an easier schedule. Our schedule was loaded, um, in 17 and, um, you know, it, it, we, we didn't have an identity on offense. We didn't have an identity on defense. Um, you know, I was getting to know the coaches and I, I didn't really do a good job of, of assigning guys certain roles. Um, and again, I was just too worried about, you know, the, uh, you know, run, you know, I was like, what if I come in and I'm too hard on the staff and I run guys off, you know? Um, so again, I was just more like, let's hold it together. Let's hold it together. Um, and that was a terrible mistake. Um, you know, the, it was, um, it was a rough year. Um, you know, we, we, we played our kickoff classic against the team Bartram trail, which is just South of us in St. John's County. Um, and we're on the bus riding over there and I'm, and the kids are not getting focused and, um, they're screwing around. And I'm like thinking to myself, we're, we're about to, you know, we're about to, you know, toe to toe to butt whipping. And, uh, and we did. Um, and then, you know, we, throughout the year um it's some similarities to Yuli you know older kids quit who weren't getting to play um but you know the one thing was is I, I had kind of you know sold myself out from a um an accountability standpoint in the sense that I, I wasn't I, I had fallen into that trap of like we've got you know this kid mispracticed with this kid, this did, did this, did that, you know, and the coaches would say, Oh, we need this guy. We need that guy. So I was, I was, you know, breaking my own rules, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and trying to hope that these kids who were talented athletes would just show up on Friday night and get it done. And finally, you know, we lost a game um, to a Popka high school, which is a powerhouse out here. Um, they came up and just blew us out. And one of our kids got ejected. And that's one of the kids I was talking about. Um, and after that game, we, we, we put a couple of those guys off the team. And I just said to the coaches, I'm like, guys, we're, we're, we're two and four and just lost 52 to 10. Like, who do we have to have? Like, you know, like, I mean, what, what, what I don't understand. Like if we were six and oh, or five and one, I, you, you probably have a point, but I'm like, yeah, so at that point, you know, I started saying, okay, I'm doing things my way, you know, and you know, the last three, four, the last four games of the year, um, we didn't win any of them, but we were much more competitive. Um, two went to overtime and there were things that weren't going to get fixed that needed to get fixed. Um, after the season, I mean, there were things I weren't, I wasn't gonna be able to change during the year, but, um, what it did, I re was, it kind of allowed, allowed me equity or leverage with the players to go, okay, we tried your way, your way didn't work. So why don't you try my way? And, you know, getting them to one thing I realized at, at, at Mandarin was, a, you know, one was that the kids football was more important to them at Mandarin than it was at Yuli. Um, You know, the you know, for as bad as things were, I mean, I remember we lost that overtime game, the ninth game of the year. And coming out that Monday, I'm like, how am I going to get these guys ready to practice? I mean, this game, it's the last game. You know, it's been a crap year. You know, are, are kids even are, are kids going to 
blow off practice. You know, none of that happened. You know, they were out there and ready to go. And um, so I knew that there was a lot of things that I could pr- play on to build the kids up based on who they were. Um, but the thing I had to really get across from them is that I needed to make sure they understood that winning was what mattered most. Um, and one of the things that I noticed with the kids at Mandarin was we were a little bit too into, you know, posting stuff on, you know, kids posting highlights on social media after you lose 35 to seven, like what, what, what highlights were like, I mean, cause I stood there and watched us lose by 28 points, you know, and getting them to understand that guys like, look, everybody wants to get recruited. Everybody wants to go to college. Like, guess what? Like if you don't win games, they're not going to recruit here. Um, you know, I, I, I use, and I, and, and getting them to understand that, you know, football is the ultimate team sport. Like you wear a helmet, no one sees your face. Like, you know, there's 22 guys out there at one time, only one guy gets to touch the ball, um, you know, at, at a given time. And, you know, you chose this, you know, if you want to be a, a, an individual, you know, superstar, go do MMA, you know, go, go run track, you know, like, um, you know, like you chose, I didn't, I didn't force you to play football. You chose to play football. And if you chose it for those reasons, then, you know, you might want to rethink it. And so getting them to understand that winning was the, the most important thing. I mean, I, I used, I would say, guys, look, I don't know who the starting left tackle for the green Bay Packers was in super bowl one, but I know the green Bay Packers won super bowl one, you know, (laughs) you know, teams, teams last individuals, you know, unless you're Tom Brady or Joe Montana or, or, you know, one of the immortals, like you fade away, you know, it's teams that, that last. And, you know, I also said, look guys, you, you know, Alabama has seven guys going the first round, six guys going the first round. Oh, by the way, they also won national championship played for national championship. So really really good teams have really good players. Like you see anybody from UTEP going in the first round? Um, like, you know, oh, what was their record? Two and 10, one and 11. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like losing record um, equates no one's interested in you. Winning record equates people are interested in you. So um, getting them to understand the value of winning, I think was the biggest challenge. Um, and then just from there, putting in a, a structure that was based on, um, you know, hard work, dedication, commitment, um, uh, you know, uh, getting them, getting them stronger, getting them faster, um, teaching them how to be football players. Um, but there was a lot to work with. Um, and the kids really were embarrassed by the season they had the year before. So, um, you know, and and the other thing was I had to get the coaching staff, right. You know, I just, the guys, the first year, they weren't bad guys, but there were just, I needed more guys who understood what it meant to be a high school football coach, um, or a high school coach period. Um, you know, my defense coordinator is a good dude. He's actually the D line coach at Georgia tech. He played in the NFL for 10, 11 years. Um, but he just didn't understand, you know, what, you know, he equated everything to to the NFL. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, coach, like, you know, you're, you know, I fall back on something. I heard Michael Barrow say one time, we're full-time coaches, coaching part-time players, you know, (laughs) you know, and, 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 you know, I understand you, you did things a certain way and in the NFL got things you guys a certain way, but you know, this is a 16 year old kid who, you know, is, you know, thinking about video games and other stuff like you got, but you got to find a way to get the best out of them and, you know, maybe yelling and screaming at them all the time in the way to do it. And so I, I was, I made changes to the coordinator positions, um, brought in a couple other new assistants and, uh, um, uh, you know, everything, every, you know, and it was, I could tell like, okay, I've got a staff here that, 
that understands what it means to coach high school football. And then we move forward. Yeah, it's it's you know obviously having good coaches who understand kids is a really big deal. Um, and you know one of the things I definitely wanted to hit on was the fact that yeah, first year when the team in 2017 goes to, and I can ask this question because in 2018 just the Cliff Notes version, you guys won the uh, the the state championship, so it's all fair. But in 2017, you guys in your first year go two and eight. Did you start hearing? voices in the community this is a program that expects to win this new coach isn't getting it done did that come up at all um you know i i mean there there were you know there were a few i mean first of all i was embarrassed to go two and eight i'd never been a part of a losing football team ever you know as a player as a coach i'd never been on a losing team so um my first job at a big high school to go two and eight for me was embarrassing um and I, I do think there were, you know, there were people who would post stuff on social media. And it's similar to what I got when Derek left. Oh, he, you know, he's not he's not so good when he doesn't have, you know, or he's finding out what 8A football is all about. Or, you know, he doesn't, it's a little different when you don't have a Derek Henry. And, you know, you read that stuff. It, yeah, I mean, it, initially it, 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 it gets at you. But, um, you know, I, I knew I just get need, needed to keep the focus on, if that was my motivation, then I don't, I don't think that that's... I needed to be motivated just to do the best job I could because I didn't do a good enough job the first year. Um, you know, and so I wasn't, I wasn't going to use the the outside stuff as much, but you know, yeah, you read that stuff and it, you're, you know, it's definitely, you know, there might, there might've been a, a Facebook group or two that I removed myself from uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, and it was, it was the, you know, for me, it was it was definitely a, a a long off season of of you know questioning myself. You know, and, and it was um, you know my confidence was shaken as a coach. I can I can say that honestly. Um, you know, I didn't know if how we would bounce back. Then I I, I felt good about everything we were doing, um, and I knew we were going to be better. But um, you know, there was definitely there was there was definitely a. Um, I, you know, I, I needed to rebuild my own confidence. So, um, you know, I, and I think again, that, that, that was just going back through the off season of, you know, when you saw the kids getting stronger, getting faster, when you saw the kids act, you know, performing as a team and acting the way you want them to act and giving the effort you want them to give and, and, you know, doing the little things, the small things that, that you've been stressing when you saw that, you know, that's kind of how I, you know, obviously winning games helps ultimately, but, you know, um, I think that was how I really kind of rebuilt my confidence. And, um, and I've said this many times, we wouldn't have had the two. I mean, would I have rather been five and five in 2018 uh, or 17? Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. But, um, you know, we, we wouldn't have had the season in 18 that we had if we didn't have the 17 that we had. Um, yeah. You know, I really think that, that, because had we won a couple of those overtime games, you know, and maybe gone four and six or five and five or something like that, um, snuck into the playoffs. I think we, I think the tendency might've been to justify like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of on the right track. I don't need to make that many changes, but I did. You need to make those changes. And, and, you know, sometimes winning covers up those, those, those faults. And, you know, again, you trick yourself into thinking you're doing the right things. Well, not really. Um, you know, though you're, your, uh, your demons are still going to be there if you don't defeat them. So, um, you, you know, I, I think we, 
we were able to use 2017 um, as I don't know as much motivation, but definitely a roadmap um, for how how what to fix. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it. I think it makes a ton of sense. You, I think the losing season probably is part of the story that had to happen in order for for the following year to happen, especially with players when you're trying to get buy in from stuff because you can look back to the previous year as you're like you're talking about making a bunch of changes, right, to to improve some things. And it's really easy then as a coach or even as a player, it doesn't even need to really be said. We're changing this because we went two and eight last year. This is the right thing to do. Let's do it. Whereas, you know, kind of what you're saying, if we had gone five and five, like the seeds of doubt start getting into the players' minds of like, yeah, but we're, we were close. We were on the way, that sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, so you, you know, you mentioned assistant coaches already and kind of that process, but um, I want to ask you, because I think football generally does a pretty good job at, at this Um do you guys do anything special in terms of trying to help players become better leaders within your program? Is there anything you guys do specifically or, or uh, maybe inherently to create better leaders to help your kids kind of grow in that, in that regard? Um, so one thing that we do, um, we do a couple things. Um, we do an, we have an off season point system that we use um, and it, you know, it's subjective to an extent, but, um, it incorporates not only their, their weight room attendance and their, their, their weight room production or, or, you know, um, athletic production, but you know, their grades, their, their fundraising, everything that goes into being part of the program. And, you know, usually, and we, the top 20 kids get awards, you know, the 11 through 20 get something and then one through 10 get a little bit more. And I think what it what it, it gets us to do is is see you know who really values who, who's really pouring into the program. I think within the team itself, we 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 do for example like our offensive line um, this week when they were outside working on things the 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 seniors it was it was it was kind of a weird dynamic I guess this week because we had a couple uh, juniors that weren't there so it was basically just older guys and younger guys. And the seniors, they they took the kids through the the workout outside. That that's something I think that that has helped us is pl- players leading, you know, things out on the field. This summer, every position group has a week where they have to clean the field house because we don't have janitor service in there in the summertime. So that means you got to take out the trash, you got to sweep, you got to clean the bathrooms, and you know the older guys are put in charge of that per position. So I think. I think developing leadership is, is, is probably an area where I'm, I'm as a coach wanting to get a lot better because I think it's the one thing coaches complain about more than anything else. When you get a bunch of coaches, you know, <laughs> I don't have any leaders yeah, in this yeah. program. Yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> um, you know, Lee, I mean, I look at myself as a player. I, I was not a vocal, I was a lead by example guy. I was not going to be a vocal guy. I was not, you know, I, I, I don't think there's very many kids, you know, who are like that, especially with football, because there's so many guys on the team, the social element of it. I think guys are afraid to get up in front of a group of 50 guys. And, and if, if you're the guy who gets on about stuff, you know, then, then the whole social element comes into play. Well, you're not my friend or whatever. So, you know, you you have that stuff that you have to kind of deal with. So um, I've, I've done, um, you know, things with FCA before where, um, you know, we took our guys to, a uh, our upperclassmen to an overnight trip and, and worked on some different leadership skills. But, you know, I think, 
at, at the end of the day, sometimes as coaches, you know, you, you know, I've told the coach before, like guys, we have to, you know, we may have to be the leaders, you know, because you don't have those kids who are, who are going to maybe take the bull by the horn, so to speak. But I think as a coach, you, you have to identify who those guys are, who you want to put at the front of your program. And you have to be careful that you don't put guys at the front of your program who don't accentuate a lot of your core values. You know, um, if you allow your program to be like this past season, I mean, I think we, 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 we missed there because, you know, we, we had a group of captains, which I don't normally do. Um, and, you know, the kid who ended up being the leader of the team was one of our wide receivers. He was a good player, but it was a social thing. You know, he was the the outgoing, loud, funny one who was a good player. It wasn't that he was necessarily, you know, the, the guy who embodied everything that I want in a football player, you know, but us as coaches, we, we, we probably didn't do a good job identifying that. I think a lot of it because of, you know, all the other stuff we were dealing with, with the pandemic. Um, but I think you need to be careful about um, even if you don't have a, a way to develop great leaders, you better be careful about the kids making sure that the wrong guys don't get to the front of your locker room, I guess. The kid, the captain's thing's interesting. I've had, conversations with a few coaches about that where do you stand on on team captains and and implementing them in your program or not um i'm not a big captains guy um you know and and part of the reason is i you know like okay so if you have captains you know then then what happens if one of them does something you know breaks a serious team rule or something like that and i gotta strip them of being a captain or what is it one more thing for me as a coach to have to worry about you know like, do we have captain standards? Do we have the rest of the player standards? I And I'm just more thinking out loud right now. Like, that's something that I, I haven't really come to terms with as a coach. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that, that um, again, I, I don't know that there's enough value in it as to be one more thing to do as, as, a, as a coach. Um, like, I don't know if, like I said, we did it for the first time this year in a long time. It really didn't move the needle at all. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, too, sometimes if you name captains – then it's a way for the rest of the players to be like, well, shoot, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not a captain. You know, um, that's a captain's job. Or do you create the resentment of of players who've been like, I should have been a captain. Why am I not a captain? Because um, that can come up as well. So I, I don't know that it solves as many problems as it maybe versus how many it could create. Well, dang it, Bobby. I'm almost a year into the show, and I still haven't been able to find a coach who is on the yes captains are great side or at least providing a good argument for them. everyone that I've, I've spoken with about it has kind of landed where you are. And I've, I've kind of landed the same spot too. It just, and for more so for one of the later things you mentioned is that idea of what if, what if you have someone who would be a really good leader and would stand up and do something, but you didn't know that and didn't name them a captain or something like that. And now people might not listen to him or he might not even want to like feel comfortable stepping up because he isn't a captain and maybe people won't listen to me sort of a thing. And Or, or two, you know, what if it's a kid that I think I know, but I really don't, yeah, know, that too. you know, and I'm sitting there like putting him up on a pedestal and the kids are like, man, coach, if you would have seen him Saturday night, like, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be saying these things. Um, so it, it, it just, I, 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 I think if it's at a, if you're at a program, like say you take a job at a place where there's some tradition of captaincy, yeah, you know, where it's ingrained in the community or ingrained in the school that there's going to be these four or five kids, then, you, you know, then I think you do it, you know, you know, you, 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 you honor that tradition and probably because it's a tradition because it's helped them be successful. Um, 
but you know, I, I'm just not a big, I, I, I tend to lean more on trying to grow the seniors as much as possible as, as at least guys that set good examples. Um, and, you know, I always go back to something, a sign that was at, at, uh, the coach had up in his office at Lincoln. It was, it was freshmen expect problems, sophomores, a few problems, juniors, no problems, seniors solve problems. Mm. And so I always try to move towards the, the, I've always kept that in mind. And all right, let me, let me try to create as many problem solvers as I can, you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, if I have a group of seniors doing everything they're supposed to do the right way and, and setting good examples, then I think we've, we've done a good job of creating some culture. If I got seniors who are the ones causing the problems, then you got a culture problem. Yeah, no kidding. When you, with, I coach baseball. So, you know, in our, our program in any given year, we probably max out at around like 45 kids. So it's for me, like as a, as a baseball coach, you know, then each year I'm getting basically 12 to 15 to 20 at the most uh, new freshmen each year. So when I'm thinking of like kids in my program and getting to know them, it's a really extremely manageable number. It's basically 15 new kids a year. I could, that's, that's anyone could do that. But then I think of like a football program and you mentioned like the numbers can get, can get really big. And obviously if you're in charge of a position group, you know, as an assistant coach, or even as the head coach, you know, if you're in charge of D line or whatever, you'll, you'll, naturally develop a good relationship with those guys because you're with them all the time. But as the head coach of the program, what do you do? Like, how do you find ways to connect to kids when you have so many that are part of the, the, the overall program? Um, you know, right now with the new kids, um, I'm in the, um, I'm in, I'm in the beginning of stage one and that's just learning their names. Um, yeah, no kidding. You know, and, I, and I have to be honest, I haven't done a great job. Um, I need to get better there. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I, I've always, I felt, and I kind of felt like this, you know, since I, I, or the realization I had when I got to Mandarin is that I think you really know who a kid is when, you know, when you, like, when I watch him in being in PE is, is, is really helpful for me because I'm going to chant, you know, I get a football period with my football kids, but um, you know, I think, you know, learn who a kid is in PE in the courtyard and in the cafeteria. Yes. You know, you, you know, you watch them in those settings and you kind of get to see who they really are. You know, in football, you may not know who they are because I, I always like to call it, you have the kids who have the Eddie Haskell syndrome where they're going to yes or no, sorry to your face and <laughs> seem like a good kid. You turn your back and they're going to do whatever they want to do. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, um, or kids who might be respectful to their teachers, you, you know, politeness is sometimes confused with, um, you know, being a good kid or, or having high character, um, you know, just because you said, yes, sir, doesn't mean that you're really listening to me or that you're a coachable kid. So um, I think I, I always like to kind of watch them in those settings. So I kind of get an idea of who they are. Um, and then, you know, in, in, interact with them as much as possible, even if it's a, hey, what's going on, man? You know, um, you know, um, make make football a welcoming place a place that they want to be a place that they feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, I, I think just, you know, try to have as many positive interactions with them as possible. Um, and then, you know, from it's, I'll say this one thing about being a head coach is I don't, I don't have the relationships with the kids that I may have if I was still just a position coach working with my own eight or nine guys. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of known I've sacrificed that for the, for, for the, position of being a head coach um so i think it's really important that my 
position assistants and coordinators have those kind of, of close relationships with their kids. Like I tell them all, you're the head coach of your position, you know, um, you know, the way the kid acts, the way the kid does in school, the way the kid works, the way the kid performs, you handle all that, unless it's something I need to get involved with. Um, so, um, you know, it, I, I do think as a head coach, it's a little more difficult to have those, those really su- super close relationships, unless it's a kid, you know, like a Derek, where we were just forced to spend a lot of time together. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to get to know them super, super close, but, you know, over the course of four years, by the time they're seniors, um, uh, if they've been with you for four years, um, there is that relationship there where it's coach player, but you could see it ultimately evolving down the road into a friendship. It's funny because I've, I've spoken to a couple of coaches about this too, of you have this kind of, um, you know, you, you imagine as a coach in high school that you'll go on to live the rest of your life and all these kids will stay in contact with you forever. And the reality is that really only a handful really end up truly always staying in touch with you. You kind of, you kind of talk to each other every once in a while and you can relive some of those you know, glory days of their high school career. Um, but a lot of what we do as coaches once that kid walks out the door for the last time, uh, you, you kind of just are hoping that he goes on and lives a good life and you may or may not really talk to him much anymore. And you kind of got to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, y- you know, it, it it's just kind of letting them go, you know, um, and, uh, and, and letting them go and, and do their own thing. And, and, and one of the nice things about coaching is I've always said is like, you know, for the, a lot of times you end up with, with a, with a friend out of it um yeah. you know after that guy's done and he's gone through college and um you know you see him down the road and and um you know, some guys you're not friends with but um you know <laughs> That's true too. Um, you know but um I, i've been very fortunate that you know i there's a lot of players that i still keep in touch with and um uh, you, you know, it's, it's easier obviously nowadays than it was before, um, you know, with, with phones and social media and all that stuff. But, um, it, you know, I think it, it, um, uh, it's, 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 it's nice. It's a nice side to being coached that, you know, you, you do end up with that kind of network of friends as a result of it. They all tell you how soft you are now compared to how you used to be and all that, you know, so I, I get that from guys, they come back to practice. Yeah, you're so soft now, and I'm like, am I? Like, you know, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, well, we just changed some things. Like, you know, we don't. I think that because the longer you do it, you know, you you sort of figure out what's important and what's not, and you know what works and what doesn't, and what you can get rid of and what you can keep. That's a that's a good segue to what I think will probably be our, our kind of last formal question, which which I guess I'll kind of go with this, which is, you know, I, I, through your career, obviously, you got to start with a with a state championship in your first year as an assistant coach you started in a great spot but uh, you know you've been at it for about 20 years now uh in in coaching and a lot of that spent at the high school level and you look back at you know where you started with and then your your first year at ule and how that transition went and then you know we obviously went into the the first year at mandarin and how that went and you've got to be on the losing end of things once (laughs) and then on the winning end quite a bit too but you know when you look back over your career at this point you know in what way do you think you've kind of grown as a coach the most? Um, I've definitely learned not to, to, you know, learned about what I, what I should be concerned about, what I shouldn't be concerned about. Um, and that, that's helped me a lot to, to be more relaxed. You know, I've, I've learned to try to stay up with the times when it comes to strength and conditioning, 
not be set in your ways, not saying you change everything you do every single year. But I think in general, um, always be looking, whether it's on the field or off the field, looking for for the best the best way to help your team. And I, I don't think there's one right way or one. There's a lot of right ways. A lot of it just depends on the the where you are and who you are, what you believe in. Um, and, and, you know, to kind of simplify you know, you go hear a lot of people speak and I'm, I'm sure you do this too. And, you know, guys get up and talk about their programs and everybody's got their six pillars of this or their eight, this, or, mm. you know, I, I just learned to kind of, I can't memorize all that stuff, you know, like I just can't. So, and, and don't try to incorporate parts of other people's programs that, that you just don't have room for. It's not that they're doing bad stuff. It's just like, you can only do so much, you know? So I just boiled it down to, you know, three things you know smart hard work uh toughness and love and those are the three things that we're going to value and you know i think when you simplify in that regard um it allows you to um stress those things that are really important to you more on a day-to-day basis instead of trying to feel like you have to stress 10 different things um so um trimming the fat i guess so to speak throughout my career um i I think has been you know uh, one one way that that i've i've grown um and, and understanding too, like this might sound stupid, but you know, I, you know, as far as going back to my players talking about, you know, getting soft and whatnot, one thing kind of hit me like five, six years ago that, you know, practice is designed to get guys ready to play on Friday night. It's not necessarily we have to kill, we have to beat the crap out of a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to get them ready on Friday night because then they're probably not at peak performance. So, um, getting guys, understanding that it's about getting guys ready to play as well as they can. Um, as opposed to, you know, grinding it metal on metal and grinding, grinding, grinding. And then all of a sudden you're not really seeing the results you want to see is, is, is another area too. That's a good one. I, I've talked to a few coaches specifically in like the baseball realm and kind of came to the idea of like backwards planning a season. So like, what do I want them to be able to do by the end of the season and whatnot? And, and then basically like you're saying like trimming the fat, like during practice, is this getting them where they need to be? you know, by this point, and it's like, no, so why am I, you know, why am I wasting all this time doing it? Or like, you know, for football, obviously you mentioning, you know, beating the crap out of kids on Monday and Tuesday, I could probably spend that practice time doing something a lot more valuable that would get them prepared for it. And I think a, a lot of us as coaches, it takes us a while to get to that point. But once you get there, it's, it's really, it's, it's really freeing in a sense of just like allowing you to design practices that make way more sense to actually get kids to to have a chance to win a lot more often. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's, um, it makes things, it, it, I think it, it, again, it, it, it simplifies things. It allows you to organize things. It allows you to really be able to see what, what's worth your time and what's not, you know, and I, I tell the players all the time, like, look, the one thing we all have is our, is time. That's the one, you know, everybody's got, that that's on one thing that we all have and and how we choose to use it is going to probably determine whether or not we win or lose you know and so i've i've really become big on on efficiency um and and being efficient with our time and making sure that everything we're doing is moving us forward towards you know getting first downs and and getting the ball back on defense all right man well it's been it's been really fun talking to you and and getting to hear hear your story and kind of the journey along the way but um, like I kind of do with everybody, I just want to give you a chance here at the end to take the mic and say whatever you want to say. If there's, you know, some core value or some aspect of coaching or some lesson for younger guys or or whatever, doesn't matter. Just kind of hand the mic over to you one last time. I, I would say for younger coaches, 
Um, you know, don't chase position titles, um, chase great programs. Um, I think nowadays with coaching, um, it's so easy to get access to information, whether or not it's on Twitter, YouTube, um, online information as out there. There's a lot of things you can study to teach you to become a good football coach, but that doesn't mean you're ready to be an offensive coordinator at 26. And I know I'm sounding like a hypocrite because I've got my first head job at 28, <laughs> but I, had I not been at the programs I was, I would not have been ready for that at 28. So, you know, look, go where there are good coaches who you can watch and learn from. And that will help you accomplish your goals more than, you know, getting a position title um, and thinking you're ready for something that you're not and at a program that you probably may not don't want to be a part of. Yeah, we always say you don't know what you don't know until you're you become a head coach and you realize all this stuff that you had no idea was a thing. And the, the your maturation process has to be sped up really quickly, probably faster than it should be quite often. Absolutely. That's crazy. Well, uh, Bobby Ramsey, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, really appreciate you giving up some time here in the summer and uh, good luck this upcoming season at Mandarin. Oh, hey, I appreciate it, man. This was this was great fun and I really enjoyed it. So many lessons to learn along the way and uh, really excited for Coach Ramsey and the direction of the Mandarin program and uh, just, just really an honor to have him on. If you could do a few things really quickly for me, I'd appreciate it a ton. First, if you haven't joined the club yet, go ahead and do it. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll instantly become a member of a premier national organization of coaches, trainers, administrators, parents, players, and more, all of whom are completely dedicated to high school sports, just like you. Plus, You'll get the weekly newsletter straight to your inbox every single Wednesday. Again, it's totally free. You can do that by heading over to highschoolcoachesclub.com. I've got that link down in the show notes too. Uh, you can also pick up some stickers there for your podium, lawnmower, dashboard, or wherever else you might want to put a high school coaches club sticker. And if you wouldn't mind, it would mean a ton to me if you left a rating, maybe even a review wherever you're listening to this. Lastly, a share goes a long way. It's the biggest and best way to grow the high school coaches club. So more than any of that, it would mean the world to me if you would take a minute or two to share this episode or any episode you've listened to on social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or MySpace for those of you who have been around for a little while. Uh, if you do so, just uh, just know that I appreciate it so much. So, so thank you. Uh, huge fist bump to Bobby Ramsey for jumping on the call with me. And thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and the newsletter. And thanks to you for clicking that play button again. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me directly via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.